0: Forever dog. Hi, Anna. Hi, Andrew. And hey, everybody else. And a hello to our podcast. Scary scary Stories stories to Tell on the Pod.
1: pod. It is a podcast about scary stories, urban legends, and spooky things that you tell us about.
0: And it's mostly a comedy podcast hosted by two people who've been friends for 13 years.
1: Two very fearful old friends who are ready to laugh about spooky stuff, baby.
0: We, hey baby, you (laughs) little tiny thing. Um, Yeah, basically Andrew and I are scared of things and we like to be scared and we are scared anyway. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe you're a little bit
1: scared too, and you know what? That's so you know you're alive.
0: Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna keep focusing on things that are scary that aren't that thing, um, because <laughs> it's nice to take a break and be scared by you know sort of haunties and creepies and crawlies. I love that term, haunties. Hauntie. Hauntie. Oh my god.
1: Um, just as a heads up, if inexplicably there is construction happening in my building, which I think is a crime mid-pandemic. <laughs>
0: Um, no, they have to make the big hole. The th- what we were told, which is so
1: bizarre, is that there, there's, there's drilling because they're installing, um, like phone chargers in the garage. Which I'm like, why would that? No. That we're just asking for people to come sneak in. You phone know,
0: chargers in the garage. Yeah, your building really wants people to hang in the garage, sort of like a, a movie about karate or something.
1: I know. I don't get it. Um, so you might hear occasional slight droning sounds. It's okay. You're not in danger. There are not wasps coming to get you.
0: There aren't. Um, no, this there it's
1: aren't. all
0: the sounds. Yellow aren't.
1: jackets? Yes. Yellow yes. jackets are coming to get you.
0: Yes. And once they get in, they can't get out. <laughs> but we're used to. We're used to it. We're seeing, you know, Hoda is in her basement. Jake Tapper's in his basement. I assume. He sure is. Uh, Seth Myers is in some sort of library. You know, this is part of it. <laughs> part of the charm is that your hosts are at home.
1: I know. So you're getting a little glimpse uh, into the hell with which we live every day in the place we call home.
0: Woo. Woo.
1: Uh, it's Urban Legisode Day, Anna. It
0: is. It's a Wednesday. And it's, it's a that, Wednesday. That means that it's a Wednesday.
1: Yeah, that is correct. Time might seem to have no meaning, but it is important to demarcate certain days, at least for the time being.
0: It has been Tuesday for a month. I don't know about you guys, but.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. I I always feel like I know it's Friday because I'm like, on Friday, I should have pizza. But now I've just been having pizza most days.
0: <laughs> I know. Every day has that Friday feeling. The only way to know that it's actually Friday is that you'll get spooky texts from Los Angeles City telling you to yes. not go out and that there are more <laughs> sirens and more helicopters. <laughs>
1: Oh, boy. Can you imagine
0: having to be threatened with police presence to not go party? No,
1: there's at no point in my life that I ever run the risk of that. Never. Which is a
0: bummer to know. But for now, it's a comfort. If it wasn't a pool party with the seven people I was closest with, I wasn't going to go there (laughs) despite being sick.
1: Oh, now that makes me sad because I want to have a pool party with the seven people I'm closest with. <sighs>
0: um,
1: we, Anna, you and I have been to many seven people pool parties.
0: That's our entire vibe. That's my entire <laughs> friend group is a pool party of seven people.
1: <laughs> I know. I don't want to run the risk that anyone could take uh, an impromptu picture with me in a bathing suit bent over in an uncomfortable angle.
0: No, 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 no. We're not doing that. We're all eating We're... cupcakes with our feet in the water. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, okay.
1: So, today's Urban Legisode, it is my turn. Yeah. And I thought I'd do something a little bit special. Uh-oh. So, I'm going to intro today's Urban Legisode with uh, my own spooky story <gasps> that yes. I have not experienced firsthand, but I experienced through someone who I trust, wow. which is how most scary stories are continued onwards. Um, So, the subject for today is haunted roads.
0: Oh! <gasps> Good,
1: Um, Which I thought would be fun because we don't have to – well, I I shouldn't do this. Many of us don't have to worry so much about commuting anymore. We have other things to worry about. But so, so, okay. So if you don't have to be out driving, this is fun because it's a spooky thing you don't have to experience. If you do have to be out driving, um, then this is a fun thing because it's spooky because you're experiencing it.
0: Yes. And also ghosts aren't real. So it's nice to think about the scary things that are not real, (laughs) but they're also real and I believe in them, but also objectively they aren't.
1: Yeah. That duality is the important ethos of this podcast. Yes. Um, Okay. So here's my story. Uh, It comes from my brother John's best friend Cree, uh, who is very trustworthy, very smart. Um, not someone who sucks up the oxygen in the room, sort of a quiet, soft-sucking, thoughtful, introspective gentleman. Um, I've known him since I was 10 years old. He's the best. And this story was told to me when I was 11. And Cree had had this very disturbing experience. Uh, I'm from South Florida. um, And he was on a road called the Beeline Highway late one night. And he noticed this. The Beeline Highway is like in the middle of the sticks in South Florida. Uh, at the time I was growing up, it was an area that had not been developed much at all. So it was a lot of kind of like grassy, swampy plains, um, railroad tracks, and on the Beeline Highway there is one red light um, for like entrance into a neighborhood. So it's like it's it's just sort of like clear sailing when you when you drive along. I'm sure there's more than one red light at some point, but like for the purpose of the story, there's one red light. So, one night Chris or uh, so, one night Cree was driving. I don't know whether he was driving home or to a friend's house, uh, but he noticed way, way, way back along the Beeline Highway in his rearview mirror, he saw this old brown rusty truck. And the thing about Beeline Highway is at a certain time of night, There's very little traffic. And so sometimes it's kind of bizarre to see another car on the road with you.
0: Got it. Oh, spooky.
1: Very spooky. But he doesn't think too much of it. The car then speeds up uh, supernaturally, really, uh, because suddenly it's right behind him. And it's driving kind of erratically. Um, It's almost rear-ending him. it'll It'll then, like, push on the brakes and then slow down and then speed all the way up. And of course, this is very unnerving to Cree, who at the time was only like 18. I think he was just graduating from high school. And finally, they get to the one red light on the Beeline Highway. And Cree turns around and looks out his window to be like, what the fuck's your problem? And this is what he described that he saw, which chills me to the bone to this day. He sees a spindly hand reach up and turn on the light inside the truck. What? And the person driving the truck uh, didn't have a head. <gasps> it was just like a mound of flesh. And oh, out of the mound God. of flesh were these two huge bulbous eyes with no eyelids. And where the mouth should have been was this open gaping hole. What? And the thing was just screaming and <gasps> screaming at him with like rage. So Chris like, tur- like speeds all the way around, turns into a neighborhood, is driving around. The, the car, the truck is pursuing him. He drives back. He drives like all the way back to, to civilization essentially and looks behind and the, the, the truck has just disappeared. So when I heard this story as a little kid, I, I mean it was, it was paralyzingly horrifying to me. And that image stuck in my head. I used to draw what I thought it looked like again and again and then rip it up and, like, burn it, Um, which was inspired by a thing my mom taught me to do in the attempts to be like, I'm not afraid of this thing anymore. But then I felt like I was, like, giving it power by continuing to draw and burn it. I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's sort of sending a message. (laughs) I would contend. So then practically two decades
1: later, I saw Kree again. Uh, and I brought up this story because I had told it to other people. I thought it was like a fun, scary story. And I was sure it was a thing that he told to me to scare me. And truly, the color like drained from his face. And he was like, yeah, that was uh, that was the scariest time of my life. <laughs> and okay. I was like, oh, I was like, but it was probably like a guy in a mask, right? <laughs> and he honestly was like, I have told myself that for a very long time, but I'm telling you, there's no way it was a mask. Oh
0: my God.
1: <laughs> Which just scares me very much.
0: Also like the hand turning the light on. Yes. That's a that, scary thing to do while interacting with another driver.
1: That image. I, I, I can just see it too. Cause I can see the silhouette and I can see like a long kind of shaky spindly hand. Uh, anyway. Th- so this, this story scares me so much. Um, driving alone on roads at night is super spooky uh, and yeah, there there is a wealth of information about haunted roads in America. I, I know there are haunted roads elsewhere, but I feel like America is kind of known as like a cross-country road travel state.
0: Yeah. So I think
1: there are more stories often coming from truck drivers or just people who like have to do night runs. Um, I know that sometimes your eyes can play tricks on you. You can go into a trance when you drive, but let's just suspend our disbelief. Okay, everybody? Yeah,
0: also like... Andrew and I are not big drivers. And no. in fact, some would say not at all. <laughs> um, so it's scary. The unknown is scary. It is very scary. Um, oh, boy. I also, for a second, thought you meant the hand was inside of Cree's car turning the light on. <gasps> oh, no. I didn't want people to think that I was gasping before a scary thing happened, just for a fact. No, I just no, want to no. to throw that out there.
1: Oh, that's even scarier.
0: No, but that's the Cree. Oh, just the reaching up. Um, but so yeah, there's I, more of these
1: okay so there I mean there are an endless number I'm sure people will write in with their own haunted roads i'm gonna go with three central ones okay cool. um that stuck out to me in my research um so this first one uh is route 666 uh, what? also known as the devil's highway and Not it route is a86. <laughs> Because there's Route 66, and then this is Route 166. Yeah. Yowza. So, U.S. Route number 666 is a north-south U.S. highway serving the Four Corners region of the United States. Uh, Also known as the Devil's Highway because of the significance of the number 666 to many Christian denominations, which believe it to be the number of the beast. This satanic connotation, combined with a high fatality rate along the Mm -hmm. New Mexico portion, convinced many people that the highway was cursed. The problem was compounded by persistent sign theft. (laughs) (laughs) These factors led to two efforts to renumber the highway. First by officials in Arizona, later in New Mexico. The highway is now named Route 491, which is a much less
0: spooky name. That's such a random reassignment.
1: I know, I know. It, it kind of feels like, oh, none of those, none of those uh, numbers mean anything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. Okay, so um, the original nickname of the Devil's Highway made many visitors uncomfortable, as well as making the signs target for theft. Oh, this is all from Wikipedia, by the way. Uh, because of the highway's number, accidents and other phenomena became repeated as legend. These legends convinced some people the highway was cursed. One unnamed highway patrol officer was quoted in USA Today as stating a drunk driving suspect told him, triple six is evil. Everyone dies on that highway. Which, what a strange source to quote for USA Today. I know.
0: The drunk person said, that terror, terror is hot. I like it in the movie. Local kook. Says, yeah, I've heard of Rhodes.
1: (laughs) Skeptics point out that the highway has a lower-than-average fatality rate in Utah and Colorado, Uh only the New Mexico portion is statistically a dangerous highway. Skeptics further state the high fatality rate in New Mexico can be explained by an inadequate design for the traffic loads at the time. Several people suggested that the highway improvements started at the same time as the renumbering, and that they've done more to reduce fatalities than the renumbering itself. Um, so, an interesting thing about Route 666 uh, in terms of like the whole satanic panic of the 70s, 80s, and early 90s mm-hmm. is that there are no reports of satanic gatherings in the middle of the desert in this area, which I find interesting. I feel like most satanic gathering anxiety – Is loosely related to, like, woods or, like, areas that you can't see through the brush. And a desert, I mean, it'd be hard to hide if you were a satanic cult, right?
0: It's just, I feel like a lot of satanists, I mean, not to generalize, are pretty pale. They're, like, indoor cats. They're night owls. So, like, a desert is just not where you want to be for that.
1: Exactly. Agreed. Um. So... Oh, and then there – okay, so although traditional Navajo culture does not share the belief of 666 being an evil number, some Navajos had attempted for years to change the number as a way to raise awareness about the dangerous highway. The highway had been largely ignored with few improvements made since it was first paved. By 1997, U.S. 666 was named one of the 20 most dangerous highways in the United States – some Navajo leaders were concerned that efforts to reduce poverty on Navajo lands via promoting tourism and outside investment were being hampered by the Christian aversion to that number. Which is so interesting, isn't it? Cuz yeah, any if anything was like 666, I would have this like subconscious aversion to it.
0: Yeah. It's it's not good to name something bad. <laughs> <laughs> And and how
1: annoying for someone who does not come from a Christian background, like these poor Navajo people being like, can we just change the numbers so that like our, our town could get some funding?
0: <laughs> yeah, truly. Um I also it's so interesting like how these um like uh civil engineering can have such an effect on the death rate. I know, isn't it? I didn't it? think.
1: Yeah. But I guess the fact that, I mean, these are, these are largely trucker roads. And so it's like incredibly heavy vehicles going along this area that I'm sure is like constantly sun bleached and, you know, in the rainy seasons, I'm sure it gets washed out. So like, I would bet that the rough road terrain must cause some crashes.
0: Yeah. I'm also looking at the list of um, most dangerous highways and it's all of these like wide open trucking road states like iowa texas a lot of texas um, that's so interesting alabama north carolina new mexico
1: that it wouldn't be Um, places with like sharp turns
0: i know because long island has some very dangerous highways because they were designed to be windy um Uh, they're designed by robert moses to be very windy so that it would um be beautiful for people driving out and also they were designed to keep city buses from driving out, um, to continue, um, segregation. It's really horrific to like amp up how desirable the beaches would be for people that it's like
1: the bridges are all like all those bridges and tunnels around the beaches are to keep buses from going. Oh my God.
0: Yeah. Um, but uh, my, they were not made to carry the amount of traffic that currently goes on there and they weren't made to, for cars that drive as fast as our cars do today. So like the, Southern state parkway that my mom takes to work is a very uh, dangerous road, but I don't even see it on this list from last year.
1: Wow. It didn't even make the cut and it's very dangerous. Yeah. So, uh, at the news that the motion had passed to change the name, a New Mexico spokesperson, just a New Mexico spokesperson. That's fine. Hi,
0: I work for New Mexico, not the state, (laughs) just, you know, the
1: state. Yes. I work for Mr. New Mexico. (laughs) Uh, the New Mexico state's who spokesperson who is not named stated the devil's out of here and we say goodbye and good riddance. Referring to the motion passing with a different number from what New Mexico requested another spokesperson. What's up with all these spokespeople?
0: I have something to say. <laughs> it's the same drunk guy from before. He's just holding his finger over his upper lip. another spokesperson responded
1: as long as it's not 666 and it's nothing satanic well that's okay (laughs) (laughs) who are these people good
0: let's all move to new mexico right now um within days of the
1: announcement virtually every u.s 666 sign had been stolen (laughs) correct Uh, many of which were are for
0: sale on ebay that's be, very funny. That'd be a good gift, like one of those things you shouldn't buy, but it would be nice to have it. So what's interesting about that
1: is uh, Route 166. I couldn't find any specific lore, like any specific ghosts. Um, there were just a lot of trucker anecdotes that were like <laughs> something's
0: wrong with that road. Um, <laughs> yeah, truckers could... aren't like they're not long storytellers, I guess. Although
1: we had that user submitted story a while ago from uh, about a La Lechuza.
0: Um, yes, that's true.
1: Right, who is yeah. from a trucker?
0: Yeah, uh, I feel like most truckers are like, well, I got to keep on trucking, and then they're like, Hong Kong, beep beep, and then they're like, skirt skirt.
1: My cousin's uncle. Um, I sat next to at a wedding. And he used to be a truck driver and something very charming is, at least for him, instead of saying I was a truck driver, he would say, you know, I drove truck for nigh on to 30 years.
0: I drove truck.
1: (laughs) I drove truck. That's great. That's
0: like I tended bar.
1: Yeah, exactly. There's
0: something very sort of like charming and kind of chic about that. It's also like a good way to check if someone's telling the truth or not. Like if someone (laughs) says I bartended for a few years, it's like, did you?
1: Oh, yeah. I think you're a liar.
0: Yeah. I drove truck.
1: Uh, and what was interesting is, so this this uh, cousin's uncle – I'm saying cousin's uncle because it's not my uncle. It's on right. the other side, just to be clear. Um, but he was asking me about living in New York City because at the time that's where I was. And he would say like, how do you get around there? Like he, he was entirely conceiving of New York uh, from a truck driving point of view, which he thought it was the worst place in the world. And I was like, oh, of course you'd think that if you were a truck
0: driver there. How could a truck get on the subway? <laughs> <laughs> Door's too small. <laughs>
1: how, well, how how do you feed your truck a breakfast sandwich?
0: To be fair, this is what I am when I go anywhere that isn't a city. I'm like, cool. So like, I'll take an Uber to the Postmate. And then <laughs> does this uh, apartment have an ATM in it?
1: Yeah, I, I felt so bad. I was home in Florida and I was visiting some friends and <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm just going to grab an Uber. And they were like, oh, Okay. And I pulled up the Uber and it was like, it'll be here in 57 minutes.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. I did the same thing in Maine. I had like a, there was like a massive communication error and I just didn't know that I was on a, a show in Maine, in like rural Maine until that day. Oh God. And I had to leave to go to the airport immediately and just went to the airport while buying the flight um wow. but they didn't have any into um banger anymore so i had to fly into portland and then just take an uber for two hours oh to, jesus like, to the school. <laughs> uh which was insane but also like i got there and there was i opened uber and there were two ubers but fortunately, like in the entire where i was wow, um, yeah. or in and portland it's like it god was, only knows who they are it, actually, in Portland, it wasn't an issue. I forget how I got back. It was like that I opened it somewhere, and because I was near an airport, that they just happened to be there, but anywhere else, there just weren't any Was this story oh worth it? You decide <laughs> I like turn it. up to the polls today It's too it, it makes me it
1: makes me think so kind of right before Uber was a thing um when Chris and I got married we we took like a mini moon and we went to Portsmouth, New Hampshire in the fall, which is really great. We love it very much um But we hadn't figured out how to get from the bus station to our Airbnb. Uh And so we're like, oh, we'll just – I'm sure there are cabs at the bus station. And sure enough, there were. I mean, I say bus station. It's like in the middle of the woods. But there was a cab. We got in. And immediately it was like a Stephen King story where he had a scar over his eye. He was like a big kind of burly guy. And immediately he was like asking us questions about football. And I was like, this is a test. And I knew enough to get by. And then he was like, y'all go to Hotel Portsmouth? And I was like, uh, yeah, he didn't say y'all. Uh, that's an embellishment.
0: But the, uh, the idea was y'all.
1: Right. It was a New England y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we were like, yeah. And he was like, you don't strike me as the kind of fellas to uh, go to Hotel Portsmouth. And I was like, oh, what, like, what type of people
0: go there? And he was like, couples. Oh. And then oh. Chris and I were like,
1: okay, well... <laughs>
0: Hey, we're going there to have punch. Guess punch. we'll be brothers for the next twenty minutes to avoid a hate crime. <laughs> did you pretend to be brothers?
1: No, we just we just didn't offer up much information. Chris was totally silent, and I kind of I kind of did some straight New England drag. Um, My
0: God, Andrew!
1: Yeah. Which I can do I can do sometimes.
0: Yeah, look, um, you're so good at keeping conversations going in situations where no one else wants to.
1: Oh, God, that's You're very really, kind of you. are really,
0: really sweet and good at it.
1: As I'm sure listeners to our podcast could tell, sometimes uh, I will be mid-sentence and I'll be like, I have no idea where this is going and I'm really panicking. Um, but I think in, in a crisis, I think in a crisis, I can, I can hold it together okay. Um, but, Anna, you brought up Banger earlier. I did. And this next road is, uh, this is from the Banger Daily News.
0: Ooh. It's by Emily
1: Burnham. And the title is A Frightful Drive on Route 182. Oh, this one's well written. Okay. Even if there was no local folklore or incidents of car crashes, both major and minor, the winding stretch of Route 182 that bridges Hancock and Washington counties between Franklin and Cherryfield would be creepy. There's a reason they call it the Blackwoods Road. <gasps> Ooh. Even the name sounds haunted. It's especially spooky on a foggy night when the trees seem to bend in and enclose the road and block out the moonlight, leaving nothing but darkness. Some nights, locals say, you might see a woman walking along the side of the road near the still waters of Fox Pond. Her name is Catherine, as legend goes, and her spirit hasn't known peace for decades. What if it's just Cat Cohen? (laughs) She sings gorgeously.
0: (laughs) She sings so good. She's very now.
1: She really captures the id of the exhausted millennial. (laughs) Okay, so this is interesting. You can choose to stop and help her or not. But as the legend goes, not stopping could spell out dire consequences. Whether you lose control of your vehicle shortly thereafter or suffer some unexplained malady or bad luck in the days or weeks after. Catherine... Named for Catherine Mountain, the one thousand foot hill, the road crests shortly after Fox Pond. Catherine Mountain's a great drag name. Let's just say it.
0: (laughs) Like lazy drag, where the person like never really bothered to learn how to contour.
1: Is lazy drag a thing? Trixie and Katya call it like um, witness relocation drag name, (laughs) where it's like (laughs) Stacy Barbara.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's great. (laughs) Okay.
1: Um. So, Catherine may have been a real person, though when exactly she was counted among the living is debatable. Some say she was an actual Cherryfield resident named Catherine Downing, who died in 1862 and whose name can be seen on a stone in a nearby graveyard. Though there's no
0: record of that Catherine dying in an accident. Certainly not a car accident. <clears throat> she was just 90 years old. Like, what's this? I'm a ghost? <laughs> beep, beep. Okay, help um, me, or I'll give you—I'll <laughs> give you t- terror.
1: <laughs> Big incentive. Regardless, she's one of many ghosts that supposedly haunt different corners of Down East Maine. Marcus Labritzi, a professor of the University of Ipf, Let's try that again.
0: University Marcus of. Le- Ipf.
1: <laughs> Marcus Labritzi, <laughs> a professor at the University of Maine at Machias. Machias—is that how we're pronouncing that? Help us out, Maine, and the author of. Dark Woods, chill waters, has researched ghost stories from all over the world, but finds the one from Washington County to be particularly creepy. There's certainly a number of them, from the talkative ghost of Nellie Butler, a sea captain's wife who died around 1800 in Machias Port. I'm going to fuck this up. I'm so sorry. Machias. Machias. (laughs) Uh, To the (laughs) mysterious footprints following two women walking on a deserted beach near Roque Bluffs. The ghost stories from Maine and from Washington County in particular really stand out to me because of just how many there are, Labritzi said. What also sticks out about so many of these stories, and in particular the Catherine story, is that they defy the old saying that the dead can't hurt you, only the living can. She does inflict harm. There are a few essential elements to the story. She's a young woman. She's in a vehicle with her boyfriend or fiancé on a dark, foggy night riding down Route 182. She is wearing either a white... Or pale blue dress. They get into an accident near Fox Pond. Catherine is decapitated. The boyfriend's body is never found. Oh. Catherine's spirit is doomed to walk the road looking for help, her lover, and her
0: head. Wow, all three? You gotta look for one thing at a time. Yeah, start with your head. You can't be like, where is my denim jacket and where are my keys? You have (laughs) to find keys first, then go digging in your closet.
1: Uh, you know when you wake up in the morning and you you go to find your boyfriend before your head. Uh,
0: <laughs> find your head first. Find your head first. Take he loves care you. Of you. For, he loves you for your mind. If you have refill that. your own well, so you can serve others. Yes, exactly. Put on your own mask first, Catherine Mountain. <laughs> um, if
1: she's seen by a motorist on the road, she sometimes has her head, sometimes not. <laughs> Look, I relate. Yeah. The motorist must stop to help her lest they risk her curse. Ugh. One story has a motorist not stopping for the ghost, looking in his rearview mirror, seeing her headless body in the back seat, and crashing. <gasps> oh, that's scary.
0: No, don't do that.
1: The rest of the details vary depending on the teller of the tale. Sometimes the accident takes place in the 1970s and Catherine and her boyfriend are on their way back from prom. Sometimes it's the 1920s or 30s, Another iteration comes from sometime in the 1860s, and Catherine and her fiancé aren't in a car at all. They're in a carriage, and Route 182 is nothing more than a dirt road built atop an even older Native American trail. While Labrizzi hasn't seen her ghost himself, he's heard and experienced the strain phenomenon associated with Route 182. There are lots of electromagnetic anomalies documented. You'll be driving along, and the car will... Completely stall out and everything shuts down, The Britzy said. It's like you go through a force field. It happened to me. I had kids and animals in the car. <laughs> what? None of which were my own. Tell us more. Even just last year, there was a fatal accident on 182. There's a lot of bad things that have happened there. Washington County has been occupied by humans for thousands of years, from the Passamaquoddy to the earliest European settlers in the 16th century. Who knows how different supernatural legends have intermingled over the years. The past and the present are almost overlapping here, Liberty said. It sometimes makes me wonder if all these different stories here in Washington County are just ways of putting a face on something that's way older than Catherine, way older than a carriage accident, something that's been here longer than any of that.
0: Ooh, spooky-doo.
1: Okay, so I've got one more.
0: Whoa, I, I just want to say that, like, uh, oh, it, it very much takes place in the vague time period of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, where it's like, it was exactly. 1860, 1920, and also 1970.
1: Right. Yes, they're wearing they're wearing clothes from the 70s, but their cars from the 20s, and the music that they're listening to is from the 50s.
0: And there are horses just sort of attached to the front of the car. Exactly. <laughs> Man, just that's for sure. good. Maine is perfect for scary stories because that's where Mr. Stephen King has his house. I know. And I think it's it might be Bangor. Wow. It just makes you think, you know?
1: It certainly does. Uh, okay. So this last one comes straight from my cousin, Meredith, who had recommended this to me like right when we first started the podcast. And this seems like the right time to talk about it. So this is from WeirdNewJersey.com Ooh. and it's titled Clinton Road A dark ride. There is one road in particular that we have heard more rumors and tall tales about than any other thoroughfare in the state by far Clinton Road in West Milford, Passaic County. What is it about that road? Why are there so many strange and frightening stories told about this particular byway? Is it the isolation of Clinton Road that makes it such a ripe candidate for modern mythology? And if this is the case, why are these stories told of Clinton Road and not its comparably deserted neighboring roads like Paradise Road and Union Valley? Clinton Paradise Road Road is
0: very spooky sounding.
1: It does sound spooky, doesn't it? Because it sounds like you're going to die and go to Paradise. Yeah. Um, Clinton Road just seems to strike terror into the hearts of those who travel it. But why is Clinton Road so much richer and lower than any other road in New Jersey? Yes, it is a long and lonely stretch of poorly paved asphalt fraught with perilous curves. I do know I think I have uh, driven on Clinton Road and it is very scary with a lot of like sharp angles like almost um, almost like sharp angles where you're going in the opposite direction within like three seconds. Whoa,
0: I don't like that. Yeah. ugh.
1: Um, It runs through a vast expanse of seemingly impenetrable wilderness, and without a doubt, it is a very dark, lonely trip when traveled alone on a moonless night when your only companions are the mysterious sounds of the forest which seem to surround you. Yet there are hundreds of other rural roads in the state which are even more desolate, isolated, and less well-traveled than Clinton Road, some of them without a single creepy story to claim as their own. Why? There are many reasons to visit Clinton Road. I have to say what's weird about this is like this story is almost kind of negging Clinton Road. (laughs)
0: I know, it's like, why is it so much nastier than the other roads?
1: (laughs) Like, Clinton Road's not the prettiest or the funniest or the smartest, and she doesn't even have the best pool, but, like, guys (laughs) love her.
0: She seems like one of those girls who either has a bunch of distant friends or, like, one very best friend, but turns out she just doesn't have any friends.
1: (laughs) This rugged 10-mile stretch of deserted road is so rich in lore that it has been attracting late-night visitors for generations. The stories that these sightseeing sojourners have brought back with them of their adventures are sometimes harrowing, often terrifying, and almost always intriguing. Many of those tales of midnight joy rides may seem unbelievable, uh, while others leave one wondering just where the truth ends and an overactive imagination begins. Mm. So I'm just going to go through some of the legends. So uh, in the like somewhere along Clinton Road, there's a place called Cross Castle. Castles seem to have always inspired the imagination. The Cross Castle is no exception. For centuries, writers have chosen mountaintop castles as the settings for their tales, from the terror of Count Dracula's castle in Transylvania's Carpathians to Dr. Frankenstein's lair at the Bavarian Alps. Castles have provided the perfect environment for fear and ungodly mayhem. In its abandoned state, the ruins of Cross Castle would become the stuff of legend. For some, it may just have been a place to party, for others, it was a place of pure evil. The castle on Clinton Road will live on in local lore and weird New Jersey mythology. And then this is um, this is a, a, a like a submitted little anecdote
0: mm-hmm.
1: from a man named Victor. Back in 1979, I went to the castle for the first time. We would tell people the Jackson Whites would cut a tree to block the road. Then, when you would turn around, you'd find that they had cut another one down. That's when they would get you. I'm guessing the Jackson Whites are um, a sort of uh, urban legend of a family of albinos who are sort of wood people who trap and are cannibals.
0: Oh, cool! Yeah, it's it's uh, it sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds like fair and like you know considerate and. Nice and generous. <laughs>
1: uh, so the castle itself um, was built by Richard J. Cross, hence Cross Castle. Uh, but his family called the place Beaufort <laughs> after the mountain mm-hmm. range it was nestled in. In 1905, Cross bought heavily forested land around Newfoundland, New Jersey, and began construction on the castle-like mansion. Its walls, which have intrigued so many people over the years, were three stories high. You can see remnants of the concrete today. Cross died in 1917, and the family sold the property to the city of Newark in 1919. A fire eventually destroyed much of the remaining wooden structure, leaving the stone walls intact as a place where hikers, teenagers, and the occasional Satan worshippers would congregate. Those walls, eventually painted over with graffiti and picked apart for souvenirs, were knocked down in 1988 when the Newark Watershed Commission deemed it an unsound structure. Okay, so this is about the Jackson Whites, which are that um, the albino people who are scary and who attack people. <laughs> uh, and this is from someone named Brian R. One time, when a bunch of us climbed up the walls, we did see something. We were up there and we saw two white figures. They were about one hundred yards away from our friends on the ground. They couldn't see they couldn't see us from our vantage point. They came to within one hundred yards of the group and then disappeared into the woods. When we got back to Terra firmer, we told everybody about it, and that's when the stories started coming. There was instantly talk about an albino village in the woods. Also, I have to say, I don't know seeing two white figures in the woods—that could be any couple of hikers.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like most white figures in the woods are like uh, have like a small rescue terrier in a backpack and like a <laughs> bunch of uh, homemade granola. Um, <laughs> they're just white.
1: They're wearing Jan Sports. um so this is interesting so there's all this anxiety over satanic cults meeting in the middle of the woods off clinton road but what's more likely is uh that it was actually kkk meetings which is even scarier
0: much scarier
1: Yeah, which actually – and I was doing some of the research. There's a lot of evidence that um, a lot of what people thought were satanic meetings in the woods are actually KKK meetings. Whoa. Because they involve bonfires. um, Robes. Isolated places, robes, um, and a lot of chanting.
0: And you know what? They are very satanic.
1: And all of these places where satanic cults are are reported being seen are places where we know there are KKK contingents.
0: That's um, so embarrassing.
1: Yeah, very embarrassing. V- much scarier.
0: Yeah, this is like that plant in your apartment. If instead of finding out that it wasn't a man standing there, it was just a plant that it was, um, I don't know, like a KKK member. <laughs> like, not uh. a man.
1: It's also how, how indicative that, like, the first thought when you see a bonfire and people with white robes and hoods is not to contend with the national nightmare
0: that is the KKK, but to be like, <laughs> Satanists! Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. People who went to kooky college. Satanists are
1: stealing the KKK's gig. <laughs> um, okay, so here's one last story about Clinton Road, which is probably the most famous one. Okay. The most common ghost story that we hear about Clinton Road is that of a dead young boy who hangs out under a bridge and returns coins to you after you throw them in the water.
0: <gasps> oh.
1: As far as we know, this tale is unique to Clinton Road, but it is difficult to say when or how the story began. On a recent visit to the bridge at Dead Man's Curve. Ah, oh, Dead Man's Curve, a bridge at Dead Man's Curve. I Straighten love
0: it. it out. Straighten, Straighten the, Make the road go straight. You have a choice. <laughs> go somewhere different.
1: <laughs> we were surprised to see that just, uh, oh, on a recent visit to the bridge at Dead Man's Curve, we were surprised and delighted to see just how many people had recently stopped by to test the validity of the legend of the ghost boy of Clinton Road. As we peered over the guardrail and down into the tea colored water of the stream, we could clearly see dozens of coins resting on the bottom along the stones of the creek bed. There is no way of knowing how many appearances the ghost boy has made when summoned by the coin tossers. It should be noted that there is more than one bridge located on Clinton Road, and nobody really knows for sure which one the ghost boy supposedly hangs out underneath. The second bridge is located several miles to the south of Dead Man's Curve, just above the old stone iron furnace. Oh my god, it's
0: all the spookiest landmarks. Stone iron furnace? No thank. Ugh.
1: If the ghost spirit haunts the this bridge, then this trip uh, – if the ghost boy's spirit haunts this bridge, then his trip up to return thrown coins would certainly be a much more challenging task. <laughs> if he is alive, that is. I, Although, I don't – Go ahead. Oh, no, no, please.
0: I, I don't like the idea that people have heard that there's this ghost boy who gives you a coin back and are like, let's go do that. That's like if you heard your coworker baked cookies one time and then you go to your coworker and say, give me cookies. Like – they don't do it because you they have to they do it because they like to right and i don't like this assumption that's like do this thing for me like he does it when he wants to
1: right like i'm sure it began as an accident too you know like someone their change or they like made a wish and then it was like a charming thing where the ghost boy misunderstood and was like
0: oh you dropped your coins you drop your coin that's really sweet oh it's a real ghost i think this ghost is real
1: So there's a lot of different interpretations. There are like dozens of um, reader submitted stories specific to this. Uh, Some cast him as a slightly more mischievous kid. Uh, There's one that I really like where um, someone like dumped in a bunch of fake coins into the water and then claimed that they got pushed into the lake because the ghost boy knew he was trying to um, trick him.
0: Whoa. Yeah, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Don't put fake coin What the fuck is a fake coin I know like a slug A paper Is this in the 20s
1: What is going on I always think about in cartoons when like a kid would Or like a character would bite a coin To try to bend it Yeah Love that Love to bite Love to bite a coin now it makes me ache though Don't get don't get near money It's too covered in germs um, Oh this one's scary Okay so there's another recurring thing which is uh, sometimes instead of the coins reappearing back in your pocket, what happens is you throw the coins in and you look over and in the reflection, the boy will be there offering you up your coins. Uh, That's isn't that be. just your reflection? I think it's like in addition to you.
0: Uh,
1: you know, um, but probably you're right. Probably people are seeing their own reflection. No, it's probably a ghost. I think you're right. Um. There's a lot of theories as to where the ghost boy came from. One is that it's a little poor kid who's trying to get like people through coins and uh, to make wishes. And he was using it for food money and he got cold mm. or drowned.
0: Oh, no, that's really, really I've chills. That's scary. And that's scad. I, I was going to say that's scad, which is scary. Sad. <laughs> that's scad. And I just made it up. And wow. I just made it up. Scary. Sad.
1: Um, oh, and here's the other crazy thing. The kid doesn't want quarters. Apparently, that's the only thing that's returned. Nickels huh. and dimes and pennies stay. He's doing it wrong. I know. He's he was too. He missed the class about about the value of of coins. The bigger it is, the less it is. <laughs> Ghost boy. So that's my little tour of the haunted roads throughout the United States.
0: Oh, Andrew, good job. Thank yeah, you. the the roads are long and um, driving on them is scary. Also, like, I feel like a lot of ghost stories are reflections of some kind of anxiety about the ones who came before, um, yes. who are now forgotten, meaning like, oh, that could be us one day. We're just going to be forgotten. Um, and I think roads are. It's kind of evidence of people have been here before. Um, this right. is where other people have gone and now you're going there. So it totally makes sense to me that there would be ghost stories about roads.
1: I know. I really love it. I, I love a road ghost story. And I purposefully didn't do any um, vanishing hitchhiker stories because there are truly thousands of those.
0: Yeah. We should do like vanishing Hitch- hitchhiker month.
1: Yes. Oh, would, there'd would be plenty of those. And there's um, there's the scary story of it. That's book, true. Um, which we will get to for sure. Uh, Do you guys have any other uh, road scary stories? Maybe some ones that aren't on lists that we find online. We'd love to hear about a spooky rural
0: road. we love to hear about things that have actually happened to y'all or that you've heard about from other people.
1: Yeah, just in general, like road horror. Road (laughs) horror.
0: Road horror. horror. Couple of road horrors. Um, so yeah Yeah. send us and you don't have to ask us if it's okay to send the story like just send the story in the body of the message yes the consensus is already
1: there we want the stories
0: we want it we whatever the story is give it to us
1: Uh, Anna should we do scary ideas for things that could happen
0: yes I think so do you have one I do okay you go into your living room have yourself a little sit and scroll and you sit down in your favorite chair and go to put your feet up on the little ottoman but by the time your feet get up and you let go of your legs your heels hit the ground and you look down and the ottoman is gone (gasps) and out of the corner of your eye you see it galloping around the kitchen Going... That could happen. <gasps> could happen. Anna,
1: Ottomans as Tools of Horror uh, is horror. a great untapped tools universe. Tools of
0: horror. The Tools of Horror leaps. Pocketbook. <that> pocketbook horror. <laughs> Ottomans are scary.
1: We've talked about it before. We'll talk about it again.
0: We will. Okay, you go.
1: Okay. You've just gotten back from your trip to the grocery store. And you found yourself getting some odd items that you wouldn't normally get due to what was available. And one of those items is a bulk-sized can of Pringles. Like it's way too long for a normal can of Pringles. And as you're unpacking your groceries, you notice... That the space where the Pringle Man should be is empty. And you think to yourself, did they get rid of the Pringles Man as a mascot? And then behind you, you hear a... And you turn around, and floating behind you is a giant round head... Uh, With a part down the middle and a clearly defined mustache and the floating Pringles head says, once you pop the fun, don't stop. (laughs) That That could could happen. happen. That could
0: happen, Andrew. Tell me it couldn't. We need to, our senators are doing nothing. They're dilly-dallying. They're fiddling while Rome burns. Meanwhile, Pringle's guy is popping off the can and saying that. He's saying that, Andrew. That he is could happen.
1: He's saying that to people who are not in a position to be dealing with stress right now.
0: And you know what? Yes, there's a pandemic, but we can walk and chew gum at the same time, baby. We can do, we can care about two things. We can hold two ideas in our head at the same time.
1: Get this just man thinking. away.
0: Get the Pringles man away.
1: Does the Pringles man have a name? Write in. Sound off.
0: I do think it's like a like a Dana or a Kelly, like a man with a, a woman's I'm name. I'm
1: looking it up right now. Pringles <laughs>
0: can man name.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I read. <laughs> Pringles can man. Yep. Uh, Frederick Bauer. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> no, not a first yes. name, last name. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> no. I can't it believe can't it. Be. Bauer? Oh. No, that can't be. It is. Oh my god. This is like Sophia Vergara calling uh Julie Bowen Julie Bauer. I
1: can't
0: believe oh. it. Wow. Okay, Frederick
1: wait. Bauer. No. Okay. Okay, so the original Oh, interesting. Um in America Canada, United Kingdom, Australia, it's once you pop, the fun don't stop. But the original slogan was once you pop, you can't stop.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess they had to change it. Yeah. Because of um my friend did social media for a snack company and there were laws around conspicuous consumption. So like it couldn't uh. appear like they were suggesting that people should eat like a kiddie pool full of uh, this candy which was sort of like a milk dud yeah. Um, and there was a girl who they sent a cake to that looked like let's say a milk dud Um, but there were a lot of concerns about whether or not they were allowed to post the picture of the girl with her milk dud cake because they didn't want to make it seem like she was going to eat the entire cake herself uh. and this was like a 12 year old girl and I think <laughs> they ended up having the caption be like don't eat the entire cake yourself Kelsey happy birthday <laughs> like, right? like oh. there was all these emails back and forth between executives being like um yeah we're just worried it looks like she's gonna eat the whole cake <laughs> advertising anyway.
1: is a nightmare okay i have to and that's clarify. frederick bauer i have to clarify this is a little bit of pringles history um oh, sorry, go ahead. So, so it the inventor of pringles is frederick bauer the, Inventor is
0: a hefty a hefty term. I
1: think, I think it's actually he designed the tube and the cap. <laughs> I don't know that he came up with the recipe.
0: Oh, my God. I wonder if the tennis balls came after. Jason's losing his mind. Yeah, Inventor he was of a, the can.
1: He was an organic chemist and food storage technician who specialized in research and development and quality control.
0: No, Frederick, you don't get to be the face of a chip when all you did was make the tube.
1: <laughs> so, okay. The actual name of the Pringles man is Julius Pringles. <laughs> <laughs> no, not even Pringle. Nope. Julius Pringles. Um, and the original jingle, this is insane, which was as predictably called the Pringle jingle. The lyrics were once, once you taste the flavor, It's a deep fried taste. Then you get the fever with a crispy crunch. Then you've got the fever for the flavor of a Pringle. (laughs) Ma'am. Ma'am, this (laughs) this is a third degree ma'am. Wow. You can't say you're going to get a fever from a chip, and you certainly don't want to describe
0: it as having a deep-fried taste. That has a lot of, like, E.E. E. Cummings-style little cul-de-sacs. Like, I, I picture is. that have, like, like, a lot of um, parentheses and, like, indents. Once wow. you have the flavor, it's a deep-fried flavor. And so <laughs> small and so soft. <laughs>
1: um <laughs> So, the Pringles logo is a stylized cartoon caricature of the head of a male figure officially known as Julius Pringles, designed by <laughs> Lewis R. Dixon. Um, he has a large mustache and parted bangs. No, no. Until 2001, the character had eyebrows and his bow tie framed the product name. In 1998, the bangs and lips were removed from the logo and his what? head was widened a little. <laughs>
0: What the fuck? Give what? us bangs. He doesn't bangs. have bangs anymore? I lo- I'm picturing him with, like, boy band hair, like Josh Server Absolutely. from all that hair. That's, my, oh. that's the best boy hair.
1: Oh, I'm seeing the new logo now. It's, he's got, hmm, he's kind of got my hair cut from 1999 to 2004. It's a yes. center part, but it's not, they're not bangs. It's like kind of slicked
0: back and it's framing the face. Does it overlap his face a little bit on the left side? Yes. Oh, okay. I like that, too. I would argue that that's bang-like. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely hanging over the forehead. Sure. Yeah. Um, Okay,
1: what a weird way for us to end this episode, but I just thought that people had to know about Julius Pringles. It does feel like we talked
0: about Pringles for about an hour and a half, and that is the correct amount of time. Oh my God. Pringles newfangled potato chips. Oh my God. Oh my I'm going to now read the Wikipedia article for Pringles while sitting on the sidewalk to get some Are sun. we
1: just going to start a new podcast about um, snack food mascot truthing? It should be. Yeah.
0: It should be was my response. I need to do some sort of movement. <laughs> I've been sitting in the same spot for <laughs> three
1: weeks. And uh, this was such great fun.
0: Andrew, thank you so much for the scary roads. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, thank you
1: for your support on my
0: Pringles journey. Oh my god, I'm all about it. Um, and everyone who's listening, thanks for doing that. Send us your scary ideas. Um, mm. if you're telling scary stories now to sort of entertain yourselves, that's good. We like that. Also, did any mascot ever
1: scare you? Maybe let us know about that.
0: Let us know about the scary mascot. There's a lot of them. Um, but until have... oh, sorry, you got no, you, you got go. sorry, you got all I right, I got... I got no, but you were going <laughs> and we... I. <laughs> Get out. Wow. Wow. You gotta get out. No, sorry. Just get out. Get get out. Forever.
1: This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey.